We are in a series of messages on the subject of marriage, and I, I had a plan for today, which you saw me go into a brief fit of panic when I couldn't find my plan, um, and I was going to tell Pastor Miguel, like, hey, man, I'm in a series. I don't have room for you this week. Just deal with it, which he would have been fine with. And we, he's, he, but he asked me, like, what are you preaching on? I said, well, marriage. And he says, oh, like Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm like, that's exactly the passage I was preaching on. And he starts talking about Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm like, those are exactly some of the points that I was hoping to convey. And so what I would like to do is kind of, set the scene, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Miguel to come forward uh, in a little while and kind of close the book, so to speak. And so we're going to we're going to do this in sequence and then together a little bit, whatever. You get the idea. But uh, I just thought it was, it's always been uh, fascinating to me, um, the, the friendship, la amistad que tenemos nosotros entre dos culturas tan diferentes. Uh, our cultures are so different. Our, our daily realities are so different. Um, just, just to give you, a, this is a really shallow example of that difference. But several years ago when we became uh, sister church with Pastor Miguel and Tatiana's church in central Cuba, we decided to um, give some of our missions money. Our church takes at least 10% of the money you give to us. And we give it to God's work somewhere else. So much the same way that uh, God calls us as people to take 10% of what we get, earn and, and give that to him, uh, our church tries to practice what we preach. And so we decided to uh, just allocate $3,000 a year towards Pastor Miguel and his family for their support working in this uh, little town in Cuba. When we gave them that money, they were just like, I don't even know how to describe the reaction of gratitude. He was making $300 a year prior to that. Let that sink in for a minute. That was his annual income. Through a gift as tiny as as what we have allocated to them, we have, he now makes 11-fold what he did before he met us. He loves us. <laughs> um, and, and interestingly, when we first started getting together and, and building this relationship, he, he said to me, he said, I don't ever want this to be about the money. I said, yeah, whatever. You know, there's no way we're going to do this and not bless you in some way. There's just no way we're going to do this without something flowing your way because that's just, that would be wrong. Um, but all that to say, uh, we come together periodically for this, these purposes and the fact that two pastors from two such divergent contexts have very, very similar views on the scriptures and who God is and what the whole point of this thing is that we 
that we call faith and the, the emphasis that he has in his own ministry on grace, which if you've hung around here for any length of time, you might have you know, caught on that that's kind of my thing. And so just the blessing to be together in ministry with uh, Miguel and his wife and uh, to have another church that's a, a, a shockingly uh, similar reflection of, of what God's doing here, but in such a different context. So he'll come and share towards the end of this. And I'll just begin, I'm going to read through some scriptures, a series of scriptures, three different passages, and then we'll talk about how these relate to us as men, as women, and as husbands and wives. All right. So the passage we read to the kids, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. A very important starting point. We'll refer back to that in a little while. I want to jump over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, another uh, very important clarifying passage. Uh, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then the passage I want us to focus on today uh, has caught caught a good deal of flack uh, in more recent decades, and has been abused terribly in previous centuries of Christian history. Uh, But I want to try to reach um, a consensus this morning as to the the rightful way to understand some of these words. So I'll begin in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5, and then we will read through verse 33. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church." because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right. So if I can just sort of hearken back to the verse I read to the kids, and it is the first 
mention of male and female in the Bible. And I think it's significant in this sense that we are mentioned together and in equality. Men and women are equal in the eyes of God. That's uh, point number one, if you will. We are fully equal as children of God. We are equal in worth or value or however you want to state that. We are complete equals in that we each bear the image of God. Uh, We are created in his image with human dignity and we are called to, well, we are ascribed worth as children of God. We are equal in worth as God's image bearers in in that a man is called to reflect aspects of the nature of God in his life. A woman is called to reflect aspects of the nature of God in her life. And those are not necessarily all the same. There are some things that are the same, like love. I'm called equally to love as a man, as my wife is as a woman. Uh, but there are aspects or attributes of God that are better reflected through a, a woman than they are through a man and vice versa. Make sense? But equal in our worth as God's image bearers, equal as members of Christ's family. And we are reminded in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. The point of Galatians 3, 28 is not that Christ has created some genderless reality where there's neither male nor female. The point of Genesis 3.28 is that in terms of worth and value in the eyes of God, there's no difference between male or female. He, 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 lays, he lays that out in other respects, like it doesn't matter how much you make or how much you don't make. It doesn't matter uh, what your ethnicity is or is not. You're equal in the eyes of God. So this is a very important starting point. Uh, Unfortunately, throughout history, and I'll blame some of this on a guy you've probably heard of, Plato. You've heard of this guy. Very influential uh, Greek philosopher. uh, Had a huge impact on the development of culture throughout Western civilization. If you actually read some of the things that Plato says about women, it is horrifyingly bad. It is disturbing, the things that he lays out. And and so, because he was so influential as a philosopher, it's like he poisoned the well for Western society to look at women as inferior. And sin doesn't need much help, right? So you take, a, you take a formative philosophical idea, you place it into a sinful culture, and voila, you have what's called abuse. Um, the scriptures do not condone any form of abuse or injustice. Uh, God's word elevates all human beings to the same status in worth and value. We are all equal as creatures of the living God. 
So we are equal in worth and value, and we are fully equal in terms of Christian responsibility. Each of us has a responsibility to grow into the fullness of who we are as men or as women. To reflect grace to others, we are reminded in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, to pay attention to the way we live as Christians. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, was writing to a very young church who was still trying to figure out what this all means. And he starts off, and he kind of says, God has a plan. That's chapter 1. And he says that plan brings about the sacrifice of Christ and the grace that comes out of that. That's chapter 2. And then he begins to show uh, this young church what it means to live as Christians, to treat each other on the basis of grace. And you see the conclusion of that section of Ephesians in these, from verse 15 through, what was that, 21? Yes. That's Paul concluding his thoughts on what it means to live as a Christian. And the last thing he says as he talks about what it means to, to live and treat each other, to relate to each other as Christians, is what? Submit to one another. Be yielding to each other in grace. Don't be jerks. Be yielding to each other. Show grace to one another. That's the general umbrella under which the next section of what he says is spoken. Now he turns from the church in general to the question of husbands and wives. But we'll get there in a moment. Um, We're to reflect the grace of God to others, and we are to live in harmony with others. Not to be combative, but to be caring and loving and yielding to one another. All right. So general stuff there, but to begin with the fact that we are fully equal in God's eyes. Men and women, while fully equal, are yet truly distinct. Uh, It seems weird to need to say there's a difference between men and women, right? That's almost dangerous territory in the culture we live in, right? Uh, However, one of the most popular books of, what was it, the 1990s? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It wasn't a Christian book. It was based on research. And what did they discover? We're different, okay? Men and women are fully equal, and yet truly distinct in our, in our natures. There are obviously aspects of our humanity that we have in common. The most obvious would be intelligence. We're all intelligent beings. I think uh, the person on earth right now with the highest IQ is a woman, if I'm not mistaken. Is that still the case? I'm pretty sure. All right. Um, and we, we get into all kinds of silliness on this subject, 
you know, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I mean, just go sit at a junior high lunch table, right? And all the boys think that they're better than all the girls, and all the girls know that they're better than all the boys. Um, And uh, this is, again, take any difference between groups of people and you will find people gravitating towards a sense of superiority, right? Um, So it doesn't matter whether it's ethnic or religious or gender-related differences. There's going to be a tendency in a sinful heart to push that towards one is superior to the other. Well, the scriptures don't allow us to do that. We're not allowed to say that women are better than men. If you were going to make an argument, you could argue God saved his best work for last. Right? Um, But fully equal means fully equal. So we're not going to do that. Um, We are distinct in nature. That is, we each reflect different aspects of God's image and we each relate to the world differently. That's good. The idea of coming together with my wife is that we will together more fully reflect the nature of God than either of us could alone, right? So differences brought together make a better picture, a better reflection of who God is to the world, We're distinct in nature, and we are distinct in calling. How do I want to say this? My calling is to grow into the the masculine person that God created me to be. My wife's calling is to grow into the feminine, the fullness of the feminine person God created her to be. While these things are distinct, these callings are distinct, they are equal in importance. So I'll just, I'll say this, this is sort of a topic for another discussion, but I'm just going to say, just as an example, I think, biblically, the highest calling of a man is to seek out, find, cultivate, and bring out the heart, soul, and mind of his woman. Only been married for 23 years, but I can tell you this, this is no small thing. To to see past and get past her humanity and to be the man that God calls to cultivate in her all that is good and right and true and to help her bring that to its fullness of expression as a woman. I want my wife to be free as a woman. That is much more difficult than pastoring a church as messy as you people are. Um, because because it, it brings my sin into direct opposition and confrontation with hers. 
Not that she has any. I can't confess her sins, right? I can only confess mine. My highest calling as a man is to pursue her, seek and find her, and bring out the best in her. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But that is a, as it relates to my wife, that is a truly masculine pursuit. We get caught up in all the trappings of, of earthly masculinity, right? Um, and so I drive a big pickup truck. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, some people have to fly an F-16 to feel manly, you know. I mean, okay, that is manly, but anyway. Um, women do it too. That's right. And that's not, that's not the point I'm making. I, I, my point is not that a woman is somehow in cape. No, we're fully equal, fully capable. That's not the point. We, we do, I, I think, if, if Mike or myself... If we, if we give up the deepest biblical calling of our masculinity to present this masculine image, we've missed the point. True biblical masculine, I mean, you could, you could be a, a professional piano player and pursue the heart of your wife to the point of, of bringing out the best in her. That's masculine. That's what we're called to as men. Uh, I'll, we'll leave the calling of, of woman to some other time. I'm not, I'm not trying to av- avoid it. But it's different, right? Um, okay. So, Miguelito, lleva tu micrófono y tu Biblia y ven para acá, por favor. And before I, I you know, kind of turn the show over to Miguel, I'll just say this. Um, creo que va a funcionar. Está bien. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase that comes from the Middle Ages as a scholar was trying to um, parse out or figure out biblical truth and its application and he came across he came up with a little phrase i'm just going to give it to you in latin where's rusty where is he he's with the kids okay well he's going to be really bummed because uh, he's going to hear me butcher some latin abusus abusus non talit usum this is what he meant abuse does not negate or take away proper use so the truth the fact that throughout much of church history men have abused these words to place sometimes severe limitations on the women around them does not take away the proper understanding and application of these biblical truths. We are called to cultivate the truth of what's here and to look 
into our own hearts and souls to ensure that we are not committing the same abuses that have been done in the past. So, we've talked about men and women, equal in worth, distinct in calling, and we're going to sort of turn the page to husbands and wives, as Paul does in this passage, starting in verse 22. Uh, Some controversial words, but some very important ones. So, Miguel, llévanos al capítulo 5, versículo 22, y los versículos que siguen. And I'll let him preach, and I'll just tell you what you need to hear. Right? I'll, yeah. That's how I translate. Bueno, queremos terminar hablando del el último punto. La mezcla entre amor y respeto. This is the third point of the message. It relates to love and respect uh, as we're called to reflect these aspects together as husband and wife, point three. Paul begins by addressing the women and then comes back to address all the husbands as well. Creo que acabó. Sí. I think we lost a battery, Joe. Sigues. Está bien. Está bien, se escucha. Sí. Creo que el apóstol Pablo le habló a la mujer lo que más le cuesta a una mujer. The apostle Paul speaks to women about what matters most to women. To maintain respect for her husband. Y nos habló también a nosotros lo que más nos cuesta a un hombre. And he, he speaks also about what he has placed on the man. And our, our machismo as men. It, it, is, it is sometimes difficult for us to be loving. And to truly yield our heart to a woman. So if you want to see a happy woman. Que se sienta amada por su esposo. It's, it's a woman who feels truly loved by her husband. Falten otras cosas. Even, even though she may lack other things. Ver un feliz? You want to see a man who's happy? Que se por su mujer. It's, it's a man who is respected by his wife. Y otras cosas. ¿Cómo? Y tal vez nos otras cosas en el he might be missing a whole host of other things in his life. A man is moved by respect. A woman is moved by love. Y por eso Dios nos habla a así. And that's why God speaks to us this way in this passage. In this passage we can see a few of the cycles of marriage. There's a cycle in marriage that I call the crazy cycle. Que yo, En esta mañana no hay ningún matrimonio así aquí, yo creo que no. And I'm sure there's no marriage this morning that's in the crazy cycle right now. No, no. Claro que no. No. Y de verdad que para nosotros los pastores hablar del matrimonio, esto nos pega muy duro. Uh, and for a pastor just to preach about marriage can hit one, can hit a pastor very hard. Porque después nuestras esposas nos están evaluando toda la semana lo que decimos. Uh, yes, because our wives are taking notes and they're... And, Literally, I don't know where my wife went, but this week, she goes, we're in the kitchen having a discussion, she walks over to her Bible, 
pulls out my sermon notes and quotes back to me something I said to you on Sunday. See, he said that happens to him. He doesn't even speak English. He knew exactly what I was saying. Es que, bueno, en cualquier país el matrimonio los hombres y las mujeres son muy iguales, los pastores también. ¿Cómo? Somos iguales los pastores y las parejas. Yes, marriage creates universal cross-cultural realities for, for congregants and pastors. No, y realmente desde el púlpito yo soy un esposo perfecto. And, and from the pulpit I'm a perfect husband. Pero en la we, vida real, we are great husbands. Pero en la vida here. real estoy descalificado. But on, on, in, the real, in real life uh, we were a bit disqualified. Pero bien, quiero eh, el ciclo loco del matrimonio y de veras esto pasa mucho en este mundo postmoderno está pasando mucho ahora. The crazy cycle is happening a lot all around us in modern life. Donde hay mujeres que dicen yo no voy a respetar a ningún hombre jamás. Where a woman decides, I'm not going to be, I can't respect this man anymore. Porque si me someto demasiado a ese hombre, tal vez me va a dañar, o me va a maltratar, o... If I submit myself to this man, uh, it will only end badly, and I'll be mistreated. Eso es un gran, un gran error. This is a great error. Pero si piensan las personas que no tienen a Dios. But it makes sense to the person who's not bought into the scriptures. Pero los hombres a veces tienen una filosofía también muy dura cuando dicen yo nunca voy a amar a una mujer. And a man also can have a very hardened posture towards not loving his wife. Porque piensan si me entrego demasiado a esta mujer me va a controlar, me va a mandar, se va a aprovechar de mi bondad. If, if, I, if I give too much to this woman she'll control me, she'll dominate me, she'll take me over. Entonces tomamos decisiones muy equivocadas. These are both decisions that are that are very lost or very have gone astray. Y es una locura cuando una mujer no se somete y cuando un hombre no decide amar. And it creates a crazy cycle when a woman refuses to respect her husband and a man refuses to love his wife. Espero que que esa no sea nuestra situación. I, I'm hopeful that is not our situation. Pero hay un segundo ciclo del matrimonio. There's another cycle of marriage. Y es el ciclo lógico del matrimonio. The logical cycle. Cuando una mujer dice, yo te respeto si tú me amas como esposo. When a woman says, I will respect you if you love me well. Y parece lógico de verdad. And that seems logical. That's actually the way logic works, if then. Es como yeah. un negocio en el matrimonio. It's like a it's like turning your marriage into a negotiation. Vas a tener mi respeto mientras me ames. I will give you respect as long as you give me love. Y los hombres también decimos, te voy a amar mientras me respetes. And I'll, the men say the same thing, I'll, I'll love you as long as you respect me. Y parece lógico también. Also seems very logical. Pero es un negocio. But it's a, it's a negotiation. O sea que nuestro amor dura hasta tanto me respetan. That our love lasts only so long as there's respect. O el respeto dura mientras me siento amada. Or the respect lasts only as long as I feel loved. Pero quiero terminar hablando del ciclo del matrimonio espiritual y de la gracia de Dios. But I'd like to conclude with the cycle of marriage that is biblical and spiritual and right. 
Y es difícil, pero es lo que Dios espera de nosotros. It is difficult, but it's what God calls out of us. Y es lo que está en el libro de Efesios. And that's what we have here in this chapter of Ephesians. Y el apóstol Pablo le dice a las mujeres casadas, sométanse a su esposo. God says to married women, submit to your husbands. Como Cristo a la iglesia. Just as Christ, como la iglesia a Cristo. Just as the, the church submits to Christ. Es difícil, pero lo que Pablo está diciendo, mujeres, respeten aun cuando no se sientan amados. What God is calling you to as a wife is to respect a man, your husband, even when he's not loving you perfectly. Es difícil. It is difficult. Pero una mujer madura toma una decisión. But a wife, a woman matures in this decision. Voy a respetar este hombre. I'm going to respect this man. Aunque él no me ame como Cristo me ama a mí. Even though he doesn't love me to the extent that Christ loves me. Pero quiero ser fiel. But I want to be faithful. Hacer lo que dice Dios. To what God calls me to do. Porque yo no soy, no necesito, no voy a ser feliz por un hombre. No necesito de un hombre para ser feliz. Because I don't need my husband to make me happy. Mi felicidad está en Cristo. My joy is in Christ. My happiness is in Christ. Es difícil, pero es lo que Dios espera de una mujer madura. It's a difficult calling, but it's what God wants from us. Al hombre también es duro. For, the, for a man, it's just as difficult. Pero Dios nos está diciendo, hombres, but God is telling us as men, amen a sus esposas, love your wives, aunque ellas no te respeten, even when they don't respect you. Porque la iglesia no me respeta a mí a veces, yo la sigo amando. Uh, the church hasn't always respected me as God. That's God's quoting God looking down and saying the church isn't always respectful of me. Y es muy difícil para un hombre amar cuando no se siente respetado. And it's very difficult for a man to love well when he doesn't feel respected. Pero Dios lo manda así. But God has called us to this. Entonces aunque sea difícil para la mujer y el hombre respetar y amar to respect and to love the callings of women and men. Eso es lo que espera Dios de nosotros. This is what God wants from us. Ahora, Dios sabe He knows que ninguna mujer puede respetar en sus fuerzas. That, there, that a woman can't uh, respect her husband out of her own strength alone. Ni ningún hombre puede amar a su mujer en su propia capacidad. Neither can a man fully love his wife out of his own strength. Entonces, el hombre y la mujer necesitamos de Jesús. So both the man and the woman Need Jesus. Y correr a la cruz todos los días. Okay. Correr a la cruz todos los días. And, and return to the cross every day. Y ver lo que hizo Jesús por nosotros. And remember what Christ did for us. Y entonces podemos respetar y amar. And, and that's the basis that, upon which we can respect and love. Pero sin la ayuda de Jesús. Without the, without the help of Christ. Nuestro matrimonio no va a funcionar. Our marriages will not function. Entonces, el hombre y la mujer necesitan estar llenos de Jesús todos los días. El hombre y la mujer necesitamos estar llenos de Jesús, enamorarnos de Jesús. Both the husband and the wife must be filled with Christ every day. Porque nuestro amor y nuestro respeto viene de él. Because love and respect ultimately come from that source. Aquel que se entregó por amor, Jesús que se entregó por amor, se entregó, se entregó por nosotros por amor. 
se dio por amor en la cruz. Christ gave himself out of love. Y fue obediente hasta la muerte y muerte de cruz. And he was obedient even unto death. Así que mis hermanos, Dios nos ayude. So we say we ask God to help us. Para ser el hombre y la mujer to be the men and women que Dios quiere en esta tierra. That God wants on this earth. Necesitamos de Dios todos los días. We need we need God every day. Pero tenemos su abrazo y su compañía para ser el hombre y la mujer que Dios espera. We have his grace and his presence to help us be the men and women he's called us to be. Y todos los matrimonios tenemos muchas tensiones y muchos problemas. Marriage creates tension and problems. Pero no escapamos de la gracia de Dios. But it, we don't Nada va a detener la marcha de la gracia de Dios. escapamos? Si nadie puede detener la marcha de la gracia de Dios en nosotros. But nobody can take God's grace away from us. Dios le bendiga. May God bless you. Muchas gracias por todo, de verdad. Thank you for, for all that you do for us and our church. Pastor, yo quería agradecer a la iglesia también que no lo hizo ahorita por la manera que nos han ayudado por todos estos años. En nombre de nuestra familia, muchas gracias. He would like to thank you for all the love and support that you have shown to he and his family and his church over the years. Gracias a usted tenemos nuestra casa. Thanks to this church, we have our own house. It was something he had only dreamt about for the first 20 years of his marriage. And all of our needs are met. Your help, your assistance toward us allows us to be free to do ministry. We don't have to, don't have to worry about the basics and thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Okay. Oremos. Father God, I thank you for the friendship that you have created between our churches and our families. We just pray your blessing over Miguel and Tatiana and your work in their midst and we marvel at how similar Your work is uh, all over the world. Uh, we're all battling the forces of evil and sin in our own lives and in the world around us. And we thank you that we have your love and grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Uh, be with us now as we live out your word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and lead us into your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.